The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Now a man was ill, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was ill. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God, that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. And then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you and you want to go back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If one walks during the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks at night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. He said this and then told them, our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to awaken him. So the disciples said to him, Master, if he is asleep, he will be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death, while they thought he meant ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them clearly, Lazarus has died. And I am glad for you that I was not there, that you may believe. Let us go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go to die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary secretly, saying, the teacher is here and is asking for you. As soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him, for Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha had met him. 
So when the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her saw Mary get up quickly and go out, they followed her, presuming that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would not have died. So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay across it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. He has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, Untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what he had done began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. I will take you from your graves and give you life. We hear the Lord saying to Israel through the prophet Ezekiel. What a remarkable statement that is. Note what it implies, that the people in some way is dead. That where once was a nation are dead men walking. I will open your graves and call you out of them and give you life. These words, on the one hand, historically, are spoken to a broken people living in exile. They no longer have their freedom. They no longer have the land. What they were before, in some way, has quite literally died. But they are still living, at least, physically. 
Well, the Lord speaking this way is asserting very clearly and very directly that spiritually something had died in the people. And when we pause over those words, they're shocking at first hearing. Yet when we pause over them, we know that this is an all too common reality among many who have been deeply wounded by life, who have been deeply disappointed by someone they trusted. There are all too many whose ability to trust is effectively dead. There are all too many whose ability to hope is effectively dead. There are all too many whose guilt is so tremendous and so overwhelming. It is if they groan under a constant exhausting shadow, not unlike a tomb. So when the Lord is speaking this way, he is not saying something small. He is speaking of a great wonder, a word so mighty, it reaches all the way into that which is dead and gives it back life. On the one hand, then, there's the image of literally dead bodies rising. But on the other hand, this is the Lord speaking into that despairing heart that has no reason to hope. A word that is so powerful, it penetrates that hopelessness and gives it a light and a joyfulness that should not be there, but now is there. Note what that says. You who languish, you who labor, you whose life is continually in and under shadow, my word will cut through that darkness to you so that you no longer are trapped in that which holds you down. This is what we see unfolding before our eyes quite literally then in our gospel account. This tremendous miracle by which the Lord calls Lazarus quite literally out of his grave. But as we engage this gospel, it is important to recognize how the Lord does this. And note what he says. When the word comes to him that Lazarus, whom he loves, Lazarus, who is his friend, is sick, the natural expectation is that Jesus will immediately drop everything and do something about it. And he doesn't. He waits. And as we engage this, Scripture is teaching us something about ourselves and our own lives. We sometimes have a very naive understanding of faith, that the Lord sits and waits for me to tell him what I want, and then he jumps up and does it. And so when things begin to go wrong and we turn to the Lord, our first thought is, and the Lord will make the pain go away. The Lord will fix it. The Lord will make it right and he'll be quick about it. And yet here we see that that is not the case. Jesus, in fact, is deliberately slow. When the word comes to him, 
quite clearly, Scripture says, and he decides he'll wait a bit. And he waits a bit because he understands the illness that afflicts Lazarus is not merely something that is draining his life. The pain and the hardship that that family is going through and struggling with is very real. But there is a point to it that they can't see right now. And he waits because there is a point to that hardship. This is likewise important for us to recognize. When hardship comes to us, it is not pointless if we unite it with Jesus Christ. The issue is that union with Christ that allows the point to emerge. And so note what happens. Lazarus sickens. Lazarus weakens. His family is worried, troubled, and saddened as he dies, as he passes away. And then the Lord moves. Because the point of the illness was not that the family would suffer. The point of the illness is the miracle that's about to happen. We often miss that. Hardship that comes to us, pain that comes to us, unite it with Christ, often can become a way for the goodness and the glory of God to show itself in our lives and through our lives. And if it disappears immediately, that opportunity isn't there anymore. And so note, if Jesus healed Lazarus right away, we would not have the wonder before our eyes. Note how different loss and pain become when the Lord is involved and invited in and when we allow the Lord to work at his own pace, in his own time, in his own way. Because he always has in mind a better outcome than we have for ourselves. And so as he arrives, first one sister, Martha, greets him, and she leads with, Lord, if you were here, my brother would not have died. And you can almost hear Jesus muttering under his breath, and that's why I wasn't here. He knows that. But Martha, even as she says that, is a woman of remarkable faith. She says, if you were here, he'd still be alive. But I know, I know, she says, he will rise again. I know that. Her answer to Jesus is strong. I know he will rise again. And her, the strength of her faith where she can look beyond her sadness to that moment eventually when Lazarus will rise again gives Jesus the opening to say, and the resurrection is standing in front of you. And the life is standing in front of you. Because the resurrection is not simply a moment in the future. It's me. The life that the Lord holds out for us is not merely a promise for the future. It's me. And if I am here, resurrection is here. And life is here. 
Martha doesn't understand exactly what that means, but she knows enough to send for her sister. And so Mary hurries out of the house with tears running down her eyes. And she comes to Jesus, and you can tell they're sisters because they even speak alike. Lord, if you were here, my brother would not have died. It's the exact same statement. And as she speaks to Jesus and the crowd of fellow grieving mourners is there, the Lord sees all of the tears. And he sees that these are eyes at the moment that only see loss, that only see death. Lazarus has died, but isn't it the case often for us when one that we really care about passes away, something inside of us feels like it has died too? And so as they are weeping, as they are weeping, the Lord sees that. And says, where have you laid him? They bring him to the tomb, and as he gets there, we are confronted with the shortest verse in all of sacred scripture. And Jesus wept. Note, before Jesus does anything, he shares the woundedness of this family. He shares the grief of this world that he has come to save. Jesus doesn't say to them, don't cry. Jesus doesn't say, don't weep. He's lost a friend too. And in his sacred humanity, he knows that that is a loss, that that is a wound. And he is like us in being affected by that. And so he weeps the same tears of grief that we weep with this difference. His are tears of real sadness, and he shares that sadness with us. But the Lord's sadness has a purpose. And oftentimes when we weep, we don't know the purpose. We don't know the point. Note how wonderful this is. It is out of his weeping then that Jesus looks up as someone says, well, you know, he healed that guy born blind, he could have done something for his friend. And again, that's the voice of the impatient world saying, why didn't you take the pain away right away? And now the Lord is saying, I'm saddened by this too. But the sadness, the sadness is the point out of which greatness will come. And so he gives the order. Move the stone away from the tomb. Move that boulder that separates you from your loved one, that heavy, unyielding weight of death that now stands between you. And right away, Martha's like, oh, Lord, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. He's been in there for a while. Hold your breath, at least, as they move that rock away. Because Martha understands what a tomb is. It's a place filled with death. There's no life in a grave. There's no light in a grave. It is dark. It is hopeless. It is gloomy. 
It is grim. That is death. That's why it terrifies us so much. And the Lord says, move the stone. And note what we see quite literally. Quite literally fulfilling what we heard the Lord speak through the prophet Ezekiel. He raises his voice to heaven and prays. And note how he prays. I am saying this for their benefit, not for mine. So that they might see in whose name and whose power I act and that they might believe. And then he raises his voice and he speaks into the grave. Just like the Lord said through the prophet, I will speak my word into your graves and call you to life. And note the power of the voice of Jesus, a voice so mighty, dead ears hear it. A voice so mighty, one with no life, moves because he spoke. His word cuts through death. His word cuts through darkness. His word cuts through loss, reaches into it to the very heart of the matter, and heals it. Just like it was unthinkable that one would heal the eyes of a man born blind. Who speaks a word into a grave and gets a response? What a remarkable moment this is. Lazarus, come forth. And note how he speaks. It's not a suggestion. It's an order. It's a command. It's not... Lazarus, I know everything's gone really bad. Would you think about moving? It's not Lazarus, you really need to try. Let me make you some soup. Come, come. It is not that. It's not Lazarus, the grandkids are here. They want to see you. They're so disappointed. A simple, direct word. Lazarus, come forth. And the dead man responds. Because this is the voice of the one who at the beginning said, let there be light. And there was light. Lazarus, come forth. Let there be life. And there is life. This is Jesus. And despite the fact that he's bound, he comes forward. And this, too, is a remarkably beautiful and true moment. Lazarus comes forward, but he's still bound in the trappings of death. He's still got the shroud wrapped around him. It's almost like he's hopping out of the tomb. But he comes, he moves. And what does the Lord say? Untie him, free him, let him loose because he understands for all of us when his word comes into our hearts with that force, as much as we try to respond, sometimes we have trouble. Sometimes it's like we're still tied down a bit. 
And this is what the other believers are for. Help one another. Loosen one another. Help one another learn to move into life again. And so note how beautiful it is. The Lord restores his friend to life and then turns to the friends of his friend and says, and you help him come back to life now. Note how beautiful that is. I free you from the grave, the rest of you. Free him from those things that still hold him down. Help him move forward. This in no small measure is why we gather Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Because the Lord, great and powerful, who speaks into the grave and calls Lazarus out, is going to be here. And we're going to come forward. And we're going to receive him. But note how it works. Here we are in this place. It's not like a grave, thank God. It's bright, it's sunlit, it's windy, and we're here. And yet we're going to hear, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. And we who know that there often can be that dead part of the heart, turn to the Lord and say, But I'm not worthy. But if you say the word, if you say the word, my soul will be healed. Speak it into the darkness of my heart. Speak it into the darkness of my life. Speak it into my disappointments and call me out of those things. And then we all get up and we come forward. Some of us physically moving more easily than others, but we come forward. And some of us spiritually moving more easily than others. Some of us might walk forward easily, but spiritually we feel like we're limping. Spiritually we feel like we're crawling. But we come. And we stretch out our hands. And he who spoke into that grave a word of life, we receive into ourselves. And deep in your heart, he speaks that word to you. Come forth. Come to me. Come forth. Come to me. Listen to him this day after you receive him as he speaks that word to you. It's a simple word. It's just come to me. It's just come to me. That's all you got to do. Move in my direction. Nod in my direction. Look in my direction. And you will be moving toward life. Come to me. What a great gift that is. But we do this together. Why? Because the Lord is also going to say to all of us, untie each other. Help each other learn to make that move. Help each other move toward life. That's why we do this together. Every one of us gets the call personally and individually, but none of us walks the way alone. Jesus could have waved a hand and had the burial wrappings fall off his friend. But he was pleased to say to his family and his other friends, no, you do this. You love him too. And that's the beautiful thing. By coming forward to help Lazarus, those who loved him up to the moment he died get to show him that love again immediately.
by helping him walk freely back into life. What a great example of what it is to say, love your brother even as yourself. This is the great miracle that Jesus works a short time before he enters Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago. Note the sign. Soon Jesus will be the one in the grave. Soon Jesus will be the one who dies. Soon Jesus will die and no one will lift a finger to save him. And then Jesus will rise. Next week is Palm Sunday. Note how marvelous it is that the church gives us this great sign today to get us ready for the great series of mysteries that we begin celebrating next Sunday. Amen.